we have leaders of that denomination and of the evangelical movement who are responsible in many ways for where we are right now as a nation. And James Robinson is one of those leaders. Today on Emerging Daily. Where does the Bible condemn slavery? It doesn't. When did God change his mind? When did God decide, okay, you know that slavery thing? Eh, let's scrap that. Or was it ever okay? Was it just the fact that we were limited in our understanding and comprehension of how love really is? What is the preaching of the cross? The preaching of the cross is for us to learn how to die to ourselves and to love one another as ourselves. This is the only nation of this caliber whose people do not have granted to them a benefit of health care. This man speaking, this James Robinson, is not just speaking to 10 or 20 people. So what? Well, so what is this? It's important to know what he's saying because supposedly, first of all, supposedly he's speaking for God. Second, he's speaking into the president's ear and other leaders throughout this nation. There's some nations right now, right this second, that are killing people in the name of God if they find out that they're homosexual or in any way associated with the LGBTQ community. And they're doing it, as I said, in the name of God. Where did they get this idea? They got it from preachers over here, from evangelical leaders over here. They got this implanted into their head through people from the United States. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. I want to welcome you to this edition of Emerging Daily. I'm Scott Fisher, and on this edition, we're continuing where we left off from our previous episode, our previous edition, in talking about who is speaking into this president's ear, what is their agenda, and how does this affect us spiritually? How should we respond in a spiritual, loving way? How is this affecting us? How is it affecting you? Things affect us in our pocketbook. Things affect us financially. Things affect us economically, but they also affect us spiritually. And really, that's the root. That's the root of what's going on. There's some things that are happening behind the scenes that we don't really know about. You see, as I shared yesterday, the Southern Baptists are the largest denomination in the country. The Catholic Church is second to them. And we have leaders of that denomination and of the evangelical movement who are responsible in many ways for where we are right now as a nation. So it would behoove us to know what these leaders of these groups are saying 
And James Robinson is one of those leaders. He has a nationwide, a, a worldwide television show, and he speaks to groups of thousands at a time. What is he saying to these people, and what is he saying to the president? Well, we heard on the previous edition some of the things that he said, and we, we heard how he let slip, I guess, how he feels about people receiving government aid. Now, do I believe that everybody ought to just uh, suck the tit of the government all their life? No, but there are times, and, and yeah, for some people, maybe show for, for all of their life, because there are times when people are in need. Now, you have people like James Robinson who say, oh, well, that's not the government's job. That's the church's job. Well, the church hasn't done it. Now, the church is doing it in some cases. But let me tell you, there's plenty of people that don't want the church's help, and I'll tell you why. Because many of the churches that are so loud in their offering of help also require, if you're going to receive my help, you've got to sit and let me preach to you for 30 minutes to an hour before I will help you. I know of one church in Lebanon, they would get truckloads of food and other things to give away. But the only way that they would allow you to receive what they were offering was for you to sit there and let them preach to you. Well, a lot of people just would rather starve than to have to do that because it goes against their own beliefs. And people are entitled to their own beliefs, believe it or not, Mr. Robinson. Believe it or not, Mr. Trump. So what is freedom? Is freedom just for me to be free to, to believe and to say and to preach and to teach what I believe, what I say is truth? No, that's not the case. And we have to realize that there are other points of view and there are other aspects of truth. Let me ask you this. And I'll just to give you an example. Those that claim that the Bible is the indisputed, irrefutable, literal, undefiled, and inerrant word of God. Where does the Bible condemn slavery? It doesn't. It actually condones it. Now, it doesn't condone it in the sense of prescribing it and saying to do so necessarily. Although, when Israel is told to go and conquer the promised land if you take it literally they were told to kill everybody including women and children and in some instances they were told to make slaves of them if you take it literally now when did god change his mind when did god decide okay slavery is no longer cool slavery is no longer the best thing for people when did god decide that slavery is no longer kosher when did God decide, okay, you know, that slavery thing, eh, let's scrap that. When did he change his mind? When did he decide, okay, you know what, we're going we're gonna to scrap that and we're going to say that, that everybody is the same. And you see this, this denomination that I spoke of, the Southern Baptists, why do you think, first of all, why do you think they're called Southern Baptists? Where do you think that that term come from? How do you think that it started? Now, if you ask one of their professors at one of their seminaries, they may tell you, well, we can trace our roots all the way back to John the Baptist. But the truth of the matter is, the denomination itself began as a way of rebelling against letting slaves go and, and, and having them on the equal footing 
with the white man. Now, that's just the truth. That's how it started. They wanted to keep their slaves, and they wanted to have segregation. They didn't want the black people and the white people to intermingle on an equal level. So when did God change his mind? It was okay at one point, and then all of a sudden, it's not? Or was it ever okay? Was it just the fact that we were limited in our understanding and comprehension of how love really is? Well, by that same token, these same, this same denomination and these same leaders and, and others in the evangelical movement, of which most, for the most part, they are Southern Baptists because, again, it's the largest denomination. And even most charismatics and, and non-denominational churches, most of those people actually came from the Baptist church, the Southern Baptist church. Well, one of their biggest problems with the previous administration was their acceptance of homosexuality and the LGBTQ community. Because, according to them, that would lead this nation to destruction. And that's the reason Mr. Robinson was reading Romans 1. Because, in his eyes, taken literally, that chapter condemns that. Now, let me give you a little parable. There was a boy named Sasha. He, he was born just like any other little boy. His mother and father loved him. But Sasha had a secret, and his mother knew, his mother could tell, but she kept trying to move him in the other direction. She knew his secret, and she even told him on, on occasion, that, now don't let anybody else know about this. Just don't, do not let anyone know this. But Sasha couldn't help it. He just, he just couldn't help it. He was born a certain way, and so when nobody else was around, he would do the things that his mother had warned him not to do. Sasha tried to fit in. He did everything he could. He, he even learned how to fit in and do according to how everybody else did things. But still, even when he attempted to, and, and he learned how to do like everyone else, but it, it was a struggle. It was hard for him to do that. And so as he grew, whenever he had a chance to be alone, he would really begin to feel like himself and do some of the things in the way that his mother had told him not to do, because if anybody had found out, he's liable, he was liable to have been killed because he was born a certain way. Now, one day, Sasha was at work, and he was having to do something that, that really required all of his effort. And he had learned how to do most things in the correct way, but no matter how he struggled, he finally had to stoop down to the level of doing it the way that he was born to do things so he did it that way and somebody saw him and eventually they cut his arm off what was wrong with Sasha what was his defect Sasha was born left-handed nobody could understand it nobody could accept it because it was not the right way everybody knows you're supposed to be right-handed that's how everybody is but Sasha couldn't help it he was one of those few who was born left-handed now you see how stupid and ludicrous that sounds and yet there was a time and there were groups of people who condemned people and separated them from everyone else for being left-handed. They couldn't help it, but they didn't understand. They didn't understand it. They saw it as a defect, and it made them less than everyone else. Now, Mr. Robinson and his colleagues and cohorts, that's how they see people who are part of the LGBTQ community. They're defects that and they have allowed that defect to take control instead of conforming 
to the way that everyone else says you should be because, of course, everyone knows the Bible says to be this way and not that way. Well, the Bible also made allowances for slavery, didn't it? But now, I think we could all agree that that was never what God intended to start with. Well, they had a big thing about when the Supreme Court allowed for what they term gay marriage. And they say that that's not marriage, that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that the Bible says so. Well, the Bible actually does not. And what they are referring to is actually words of Adam, the very one, if taken literally, that screwed everything up. The words of Adam are that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, but the word marriage is not in there, and that's not God saying it. If you take it literally, it's Adam. Adam is the one. So to say that God originated this thing called marriage in the way that we understand marriage today, no, no, it's not in there. It's not in there. But you see, they say that God ordained and set aside marriage and government. They were the two institutions that God ordained. Well, actually, neither is true. The fact of the matter is, in referring to government, when the people decided that they wanted a king, Samuel chastised the people because they had refused to have God alone as their king. God didn't ordain it. He didn't condone it necessarily until the people decided, okay, we're going to have us a king. So there are things that people say and prescribe to God that weren't God's to begin with. Now, why am I talking about all this? Because it's important to understand where this large group of people comes from. And I can understand it. I can speak their language because I was numbered among them at one time. I understand their language. I understand where they're coming from. I know where they're coming from. I know what they're saying. And it's still wrong. Because what they are saying is, in essence, no different than to say that somebody that's left-handed should just get over it. You know, we're going to love you, and we're going to help you learn how to write with your right hand. We're going to love you, and we're going to help you learn how to do everything with your right hand, even though it's normal and natural, and you were born to do things with your left hand. We're going to try and teach you how to be like us, just because we don't understand how you could be any other way. And of course, also because we say that the Bible says that's wrong. Well, first of all, let me just tell you this. The Bible wasn't written to be taken literal, and, and I know that's going to piss some of you off for me to say that. And you're going to say, oh, well, he's a heretic. Well, whatever, they called Jesus a heretic too. But it wasn't. The Bible was not written to be taken literally. It was written as allegory. It was written to teach us spiritual truths. And the whole thing with Adam and Eve is not about a man and a woman. First of all, it makes no sense. And God is not illogical. Where do you think we get our logic from? Oh, but you say, well, the Bible even says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to man. And it's against the wisdom of man. Well, yeah, it does say that, doesn't it? What is the preaching of the cross? The preaching of the cross is for us to learn how to die to ourselves and to love one another as ourself. And there's no way that you can convince me that the way that this government is acting and doing is showing forth that love at all. And you cannot convince me that withholding good from anyone is love. How is it withholding good? Well, first of all, we're in the middle of a government shutdown. They're withholding paycheck that people have rightly earned 
There's nothing love about that. This is the only nation of this caliber whose people do not have granted to them a benefit of health care. Now, Mr. Robinson seems to think everything should be on the free market. Well, bless your little heart, because it must be a little heart to see it in that way. Because when health care first originated, the hospitals were not corporations. Now, was everything free? I'm not saying it ought to be free now necessarily, but yeah, really, I do think it should be. I think it should be a right just as much as drinking water or what have you. Because why, just because I've got more money, means that I should have a surgery to save my life that this other person shouldn't have, or the medication shouldn't be based on money. But anyway, now I'm going to play a couple more clips of James Robinson speaking. Now, why am I doing that? And I, I mentioned this on the previous episode, the importance of hearing these. Why am I playing them? Why do I think that you need to hear them? It's because this man speaking, this James Robinson, is not just speaking to 10 or 20 people. He is speaking to thousands at once. Not only in his presence when he's speaking, and there are thousands there, but also through television and the internet and radio. So he's speaking to millions. So what? Well, so what is this? It's important to know what he's saying because supposedly, first of all, supposedly he's speaking for God. Second, he's speaking into the president's ear and other leaders throughout this nation. And it's important to know kind of things that he's saying because, see, the news media does not cover that. They're not showing up in there and, and uh, putting it on the nightly news, what this man and others like him are saying to these huge crowds, the kind of propaganda that's being given to them. They're not, they're not telling that. And, and, and I'm not saying necessarily that they should, okay? I'm not saying that the news needs to show up every time a preacher is preaching or a teacher is teaching. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. We need to be aware of what is being said, the kind of things that are being said, because they affect every one of us, especially here in the United States. And they affect other nations as well because they're watching us. Because whether we, wanna, whether we like it or not, this nation is a leader of the world. And there's other nations that follow what we do and how we do. There's some nations right now, right this second, in Africa, and there's some island nations in the Caribbean, possibly some places, I guess, in South America as well, in Central America. But I know there are in Africa, there are nations that are killing people in the name of God if they find out that they're homosexual or in any way associated with the LGBTQ community. And they're doing it, in, as I said, in the name of God. Where did they get this idea? They got it from preachers over here, from evangelical leaders over here. They got this implanted into their head through people from the United States that went over there as missionaries and shared with them their views. So it is vital that we know what these people are saying to these crowds. We need to know what's going on. We need to know the kind of people that are bringing forth this kind of bad fruit because it is bad. So we're going to listen 
to a couple of clips, as I said, of James Robinson. Why am I picking on him? Well, I'm not picking, but it's a fact of the matter. He's put himself in this place, and he seems to think that he is the voice of reason and of wisdom and of God. And if so, then we need to hear what he has to say, shouldn't we? Well, we need to examine what he's saying, that's for sure. And it needs to be, he needs to be held accountable for what he's saying. Just like the last clip that we played in our previous, in our previous edition and how he views people who are receiving government aid. So the first one that we're going to play is from 2017 at Prestonwood Church. It's a Prestonwood Men's Conference. It's called Forward 2017 at Prestonwood Men's Conference. I wish I could reach out like I did to Mr. Trump after the most serious conversation I promised you he's ever had in his life. And took those big old shoulders and turned him toward my face. And I said, now look right at me a moment. We're going to put this great big lump of clay, this big lump of clay in the hands of the master potter. And we're going to let him shape you and bury your sins as far as the east is from the west in the sea of God's forgetfulness under the blood of Jesus. You say, James, do you think, do you think we'll see it? I think we could see a miracle. Trust God with our nation's leadership. You may say, well, James, if you've talked to Mr. Trump, how do you advise him and how do you pray for him? I pray for wisdom to always have a seat at the table of reason. And if we don't come to a table of reason, we have no future. And if wisdom is not at the table of reason, we will not make sound decisions. But the table is set for reason and wisdom. Would you pray for that to happen? I have not seen him push back when wisdom gets in his face. I haven't. He does not grow fruit as fast as I think the seeds I've sown should bring forth fruit. <laughs> I am not responsible for his actions. I'm responsible for the seed I sow. Faithfully, fearlessly, and in unconditional, unwavering love and absolute biblical truth and freedoms sound, unshakable principles. So Mr. Robinson has never seen Trump push away against wisdom. Now this was in 2017. Now keep in mind, just right after the inauguration, right after the inauguration was when the travel ban was implemented or attempted to be implemented. Well, it was implemented and then they had to bring it back because the court said, no, you can't do this. But yet, Mr. James Robinson says he's never seen Trump push back against wisdom. Well, whose wisdom was it that said, let's do this travel ban? Hey, I hope you're being blessed by our podcast today. We wanted to pause for just a second and remind you to please, when you get a chance, check out our website, EmergeNashville.org, or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com, whichever one is easier for you to remember. Uh, But please check those out. And read up on uh, our, our vision, our mission, um, and how we're wanting to make an impact on our region and on the world. Um, pl- pray about possibly being involved with what we're wanting to do. Um, we're wanting to pretty soon start, within the next few weeks hopefully, start having some uh, worship and teaching times. We'd like to do that in Lebanon and in Nashville. 
We're still looking for some worship leaders and musicians. So pray about all that and also pray about supporting this podcast if you would. And thank you again for listening. And we'll get back to our message here in just a second. So Mr. Robinson has never seen Trump push away against wisdom. Now this was in 2017. Now keep in mind, just right after the inauguration, right after the inauguration was when the travel ban was implemented or attempted to be implemented. Well, it was implemented and then they had to bring it back because the court said, no, you can't do this. But yet, Mr. James Robinson says he's never seen Trump push back against wisdom. Well, whose wisdom was it that uh, said, let's do this travel ban? I'd like to know. And were you, Mr. Robinson, were you involved in implementing that travel ban, in, in coming up with that travel ban? I would really like to know that. Because as a religious leader, that is, first of all, it's not your place. Second of all, that's not in any way. That was not put forth from love. So who is leading? Who is leading? And what motivations are you coming to Mr. Trump with? What is your agenda? Because it doesn't sound, it doesn't seem as though it's love. Now, to you it might be love, but I've never seen love like that that does the kind of things that this, that this administration and that this president have done. So if you are involved in that, then you need to reconsider what love is. And if you have backed off and are not speaking in his ear anymore, then you need to use your platform to begin to say, hey, Mr. President, remember me? I'm James Robinson, and I'm telling you right now that you're certainly not operating out of love. And what is going on needs to stop. We need to stand up and let our voice, make our voice heard. I've said it before and I'm saying it again. We need to make our voice heard. When Martin Luther King Jr. was making his voice heard, many of what is now considered the evangelical churches tried to quiet that voice because it was going against some of the things that they held dear. And I'm here to tell you today, some of the things that they're proclaiming and that they're standing up and shouting about are going against the very freedoms that we hold dear. Let's listen to this other clip. Now, this is Mr. Robison, Reverend James Robison, speaking again in 2017. This time, it is at a evangelical Bible school in Texas called Christ for the Nations International. Now, he speaks to this crowd... And he makes reference to the fact that the following day, or rather even that evening and the following day, he's going to be speaking at Liberty University in Virginia. And that he'll be sharing the platform with Trump at this university. Now, Liberty University is an operation of the evangelical movement. Pat Robertson, uh, Jerry, Jerry Falwell started it, uh, and Pat Robertson and, and James Robinson and others have poured money into this university. And in this same speech, uh, James Robinson even mentions the fact that he helped purchase the land that, it, that it's on. Now, what's so important about that? Well, the fact of the matter is, this university in 2017 was second in the number of graduates that it had that year, in 2017. That's why this is important. But it's important because he's speaking to these people, these graduates 
Now, these graduates from this school here will be going, some of them, as missionaries around the world. And as I just said, it's because of what some of these missionaries say, not necessarily these particular missionaries, I'm not saying these particular ones, but it's because of what many missionaries from the United States have said that have caused such persecution of others in other nations. So some of these very ones are going out to other nations to proselytize. The others are here amongst us. What are they thinking? Because their thinking has in some ways been formed by what this man is saying. And so it's important to know the kind of things that he's saying to them. 2015, James launched a new website called stream.org. You need to watch it. There's no fake news on it. <laughs> that, pre that presents breaking news, editorial commentary, inspiration, cultural analysis. After we were at the Ken Conference, Ken uh, Copeland Conference, uh, he shared an hour about his relationship with our new president, Donald Trump. And it was so amazing, I immediately walked out and I says, i got to have a copy of this. I brought it back here and we immediately saw the students and the staff, this amazing story of how the Lord led Brother James to Brother Donald Trump to minister to his spiritual need. Something is very sensitive in our president. He still needs our prayers because he's living in a swamp. And Brother James is one of the key people that the Lord has put in the room privately with our president. So pray for Brother James that he will continue to have the words of wisdom to share with our president. Brother James, come up here and minister the gospel to our graduates. Thank you. It is amazing to me that this charismatic Pentecostal school was one of the first groups to get behind me when I was put off television back in the 70s. Your school was new. But I came here and spoke to the students because the Lindsays wanted me to, Gordon and Frieda, wonderful, wonderful people. And when I came, you said we will stand up for freedom, freedom of speech, the right to preach. The fairness doctrine had put me off television because I read Romans chapter 1. And your school and your students and your leadership said, we won't stand for it. And for the first time, most of the evangelical church came together in Dallas in what was called the Freedom Rally. As a result of that, once again, you joined with other believers and we brought a governor here by the name of Ronald Reagan to run against the president who was one of our Southern Baptist Sunday school teachers. But somehow we felt he wasn't qualified to lead. He didn't have the strength of character and leadership. We desperately needed or we would lose freedom. And your school and your leadership and your students stood to say, we're going to do what's right, period. And our own denomination voted one of our Sunday school teachers out and voted a Hollywood actor in because he was qualified to lead us in those critical days. It was a glimpse of what God wanted to do. It's one of the first things I told Mr. Trump in his office 14 months ago. I asked his son Eric to come in. I said, I want you to be here with us the first few minutes. And we started that one and a half hour meeting. I said, Eric, you and the children are remarkable. 
your dad has remarkable children. Eric said, he's a great father. He's a great father. I said, well, he's got great kids. I said, I tell you what, I want us to agree that we're going to help your father learn what the father of a nation looks like. And he said, I'm in, count me in. As the journey went on, Eric and other family members said, our family has decided we'd be willing to lose everything we've got for the sake of this country and for freedom. Mr. Trump has been the most fertile soil. Now think about this. I've been preaching 55 years. I've been married 54. 55 years I've been preaching. I have spoken to the poor of the world, the downtrodden and overlooked, to the rich, to the elite, to the famous, to the presidents. In my 55 years, I've never seen more fertile soil than Donald J. Trump. I've never watched him push wisdom back. Now, I hope you caught at the beginning of that clip, or those, that section of clips from that uh, commencement ceremony, where the uh, speaker who is introducing James to the crowd mentions this website called The Stream. And he also mentions the Kenneth Copeland meeting that he heard him talking about Trump and his relationship with Trump, which at that time was prior to him actually being president. And so this stream website is like their own news thing. And, and in that meeting with Kenneth Copeland that we played clips from yesterday, that's the meeting that this speaker is, is referring to. He talks about how Copeland and some of the other uh, evangelical leaders helped launch this website. So that's uh, I wanted to make sure that you caught that. Now, here again, it seems as though Mr. Robinson can't get over the fact that he was taken off the air. Now, he's obviously been back on the air. He was back on the air in 1980, I, I, I believe, or even might have been 79 itself. But it was in 79 when he was taken off. Here again, he says it was because of him reading, simply reading Romans 1. Well, that's not true. It's just not true. So why are we surprised when this president that he has such a special relationship, or had, I don't know that it's still there, but that he had such a special relationship with tends to stress the truth when the man of God that was speaking into his ear does the very same thing. Because that's not why you were taken off the air, Mr. Robinson. Be honest. Be truthful. That's not why. It's not just they're not going to take you off the air for simply reading a chapter out of the Bible. Be real. Be true. Be honest. That's not. But again, he says he has never seen Trump push away wisdom. Well, maybe he's not pushed Mr. Robinson away, but it's obvious that he's not very receptive to wisdom because I don't, I've not seen much of it in this presidency and in this administration. But I wanted, you to, I wanted you to hear some of the things that he has said in reference to Trump and his relationship and, and, and how he sees Trump. And I also wanted you to see how these leaders view Mr. Robinson. Because the guy that just introduced him is the leader of a large evangelical Bible college. And, and then he was going, Mr. Robinson was going to Liberty University, whose graduating class in 2017 was the second largest of any university, not just a Bible school. This is any university in this country. 
they had the second largest graduating class. So it's very vital, important to understand the kind of things that is, are being said to these people, not just to those graduates at both of these schools, but to their families, to their friends, to their loved ones, to the other leaders, because it's obvious that the other leaders look up and respect this man. What kind of things, what type of things is he bringing forth? What kind of spirit is he bringing forth? Because the Spirit of God would not have had him get up, as we played in the clip from our previous episode, where he is saying that those who are receiving government aid are getting it just to use it to buy drugs and get fat. Where did Trump come up with this type of terminology? From this kind of man right here. And so it's important to know what they're saying and what kind of spirit they're of. You know, Jesus told his disciples, you don't know what kind of spirit you're of because... Sometimes just because we think we're following after God doesn't mean that we are. Sometimes we're deceived. And a deceived person doesn't know he's deceived. He bragged about the fact that that time in 1980 when they got together there in, it was either Dallas or Fort Worth in that area, was the first time that the evangelicals had really gotten together about a freedom rally. And that's a pitiful thing to say. After all that had gone and it happened during the 60s with Martin Luther King Jr., and what he was trying to bring about. Because, as I said a while ago, the evangelical church withstood him. They didn't march with him. They stood against him, the majority. Now, there were some. There were some leaders of churches that did walk with Martin Luther King Jr. But the majority, the majority of those that now are considered evangelicals withstood him. They stood against what he was doing, what he was saying and it's a shame that they came together just because this man named James Robinson was taken off the air in his words because he just read the first chapter of Romans. No, that's not why. But why didn't y'all come together when Martin Luther King Jr. was walking for liberty, walking for freedom? Because at that time, that wasn't the kind of freedom that y'all were wanting. Well, what kind of freedom are you wanting now? What kind of freedom is it that you're, that you're preaching about now? It's certainly not the kind of freedom that would be free for some of my friends, some of my loved ones, me in certain cases. Is love leading us? And I will tell you right now, it's not. As a nation, love is not leading, and it's not leading many of our churches. That's why I played these clips. Am I picking on James Robinson? No. Am I picking on the evangelicals? No. But when people claim to be spokespeople, men and women for God, then they need to be held accountable for what they're saying, what they're doing, and how they are leading. I've had failures in my life. I've fallen, and I have gotten back up. And I was held accountable for the failings that I did. And this man needs to, and others, not just him, as I've said, there are plenty of them that have platforms, worldwide platforms, where people all over the world are listening to them. And yet they're standing back, afraid they'll lose a few followers, at a few bucks actually, not just a few, because they won't stand up, they don't want to lose the money that's coming into their ministries, and so they won't say, hey, this is not right, stop it. Stop it. Now, y'all need to get some balls, is what it is, and stand up and say, wait a minute, this is not right. This is not how love looks. This is not how love walks. This is not how love acts. And if you know somebody that's involved in that, those churches, they probably won't listen to what I've got to say, but if you know some of them, tell them to listen. And I guarantee you, it'll stir them up and probably piss them off. And that's okay. But let me, let me just, let's say this. 
Love is the only thing that's going to change anything for the better, permanently, eternally. Love is what's going to bring things around. But ignorance is not a virtue. And I grew up in a time when preachers were criticized if they went to seminary, and especially if they went to one where they actually learned something about the history of the Bible, how the Bible was actually put together by men and they voted on it. They called it a cemetery instead of seminary. And so those that actually learned something were looked down upon, and those who were ignorant and stood up and jumped and shouted and hollered about a rapture that's never even spoken of in Scripture, those were the ones who were praised and raised up high and said, oh, wow, look at this man of woman of God. And so this is the kind of things that we're dealing with, we're having to deal with. We have to deal with it. And if we don't, it's obviously beginning to slap us right in the face. We have to deal with these things. You know, there are teenagers even now, even today, who are killing themselves because possibly they're in a church that condemns them for being gay or bi or lesbian or whatever. And so we still, this is still something we have to deal with. And the evangelical church are the ones who are condemning them. And am I condemning them for condemning those children, those teenagers, those young adults, those young men and women? I'm not condemning them, but I'm saying you need to wise up. You need to learn what love is. You need to learn how love is, what love is. These are some hot topics, but all of it's coming to a head. And I'll tell you this, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because when you get something in you, especially up under your skin, for an example, and it festers, becomes infected one of the things about the body is that it will uh, it will heal itself or attempt to heal itself anyway and so when that when that thing that doesn't belong there begins to hurt and harm the body what the body does it fights against that thing and it brings it up to a to a head to expunge it to get rid of it and so what's happening and i said this in our previous uh episode I felt within me that Trump was going to win, not because necessarily he was the right man. I don't think Saul in the, in the book of Samuel, in the Bible, I don't think Saul was the right man. But God showed Samuel how he would use Saul in bringing forth David. So I don't think, I don't think necessarily that Trump is there because he's so great and virtuous by any means. But I do think Spirit has shown me that Trump would be president in order to expose some things that had been laying dormant, that had even been hidden. And a lot of it is is some of this hate. And now what is hate? Hate is anything less than love. Some of this hate, some of this stuff that had been, even in the church, even in the people who claim to be of God, the leaders of these people, the kind of things that they're walking in, the kind, the ways that they're thinking, their beliefs, to expose some things that need to be dealt with. And they are being dealt with. And I have hope. I have hope that some great things are going to come out. I have hope that as these things are exposed and as these things are brought to light, that love 
will flow. Love will flow like a river and bring healing and wholeness not only to our nation because, see, I'm not just praying and believing for me and mine, but to the world. Love will begin to flow forth. Light will come. Healing and wholeness will come. And we'll be brought to an even higher place in the Spirit by what's going on as it's dealt with. Now, if we don't deal with it, no. But as it's dealt with, and that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm certainly not trying to get any of you to hate this James Robinson or Mr. Trump, but I'm trying to expose what's going on, a little bit anyway, of what was going on behind the scenes that many of us didn't even know about, how this man ascended to the presidency, the kind of people that helped put him there, their motives, and as we see and are made aware of these things, we can deal with them, and we can love these people. And I believe in loving them. I love them. As I said before, if Mr. Robinson was standing right here, I'd put my arms around him and tell him I love him, and I would be honest about it, and I would feel that love. If Trump was standing here, it would be hard, but I could do it, and I could mean it when I did it. But I would also amend to saying that by saying this, I love you, but you sure are anti-love right now. You are against love, the things that you're doing and saying. I don't love what you're doing. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com, and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.